Welcome into another edition of What Barry's Talking About from Barry 360. I'm Dan Blakely. On this week's program, another coldest night of the year fundraising and awareness campaign coming up for Youth Haven. We get the details. What is Easter Seals? What do they do? Who do they help? March is Easter Seals Month. Barry Colts clinging to a playoff spot and the Millennial Meetup is a year old with more and more events being planned. We get the conversation started after this. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This is what Barry's talking about from Barry 360. I'm Dan Blakely. Hasn't been a lot of extreme cold this winter, but there have been a few bitter nights highlighting the need for accommodations for those who are homeless or in transition, none of which can be had without funding. Not enough of that coming from governments at all levels, so organizations like Youth Haven and Barry get creative in how they raise the funds they need to help youth in transition. They have another coldest night of the year effort happening this weekend. Barry 360's Ian McLennan gets the details from Youth Haven Executive Director Lucy Gowers. First off, Lucy, what is Youth Haven? Youth Haven is an emergency shelter for youth uh, between the ages of 16 and 24. I will add that we are the only emergency shelter in the county of Simcoe. But we're more than just a shelter. We're also a transitional housing program as well as outreach services. We provide crisis intervention, case management, counseling. We offer housing, employment, and education assistance. We also offer referrals, of course, to other agencies who can help us, um, you know, provide the, the necessary supports for our youth. And of course, we also provide health care. As I said, we're more than just an emergency shelter. Yeah. And you're based here in Barrie. What is coldest night of the year walk? Uh, the coldest night of the year walk is an opportunity to bring the community together to shine light on the um, crisis that we're facing, which is, of course, homelessness. Uh, but in uh, for Youth Haven more specifically, it's youth homelessness. It's an opportunity for our community to get together to to raise awareness funds, of course, and to stand in solidarity with those who are experiencing homelessness and who are often on the streets looking for a place to stay, sleep at night, and and really just get out of the cold. And the walk is taking place starting at City Hall this coming Saturday, February the uh, 24th. For someone who's not familiar, we see a lot about adult homelessness in communities, but young people who turn up at the shelter are 16, 17 years old, there might be some belief that, oh, well, they just don't like the rules at home, so I think I'll go to Youth Haven. How factual is that? That's not very factual, and I do invite our community to come through Youth Haven just to get to know us a little bit more, just to really understand why the youth come to us. They're facing experiences and trauma that no one should have to, to experience or go through. These youth are at Youth Haven because they truly have nowhere to go and no one to help them with their their needs and support. We are the last resort. So I do welcome the, the public to connect with us and to come through the shelter and, and talk to us and get to know us a little bit more. Why don't they have anywhere to go? What are some of the reasons that would bring a kid to the shelter? A lot of the times it's because they're escaping abuse at home. They're escaping an unsafe environment where they feel that they truly 
are safer on the streets. A lot of the times their parents cannot deal with the situation that the kids are experiencing, whether it's due to mental health, whether it's due to illness, whether it's due to family breakdown, whether it's due to addictions. It's just not safe for a youth to be in their home and they need to be in a safe place. Now, Youth Haven also has a transitional house. What does transitional mean? Transitional means the step between emergency shelter and permanent housing. I like to call it as an, an audition to actually living um, as, a, as a successful adult in, um, you know, being able to maintain housing, to learning all of those basic skills that a lot of our youth who come to us lack. Um, it's about learning how to budget. It's about learning how to maintain and clean your home. It's about how to address the landlord. And, and to be able to discuss issues that may came, come up as you live you know, in an apartment or as you're staying in a boarding house. It, it's about really understanding how to become a successful adult and really being able to find housing and to be able to keep it. How many beds do you have at your emergency shelter and at the transitional house? And is it enough to keep up with demand, for lack of a better word? We currently have 19 beds at the emergency shelter, and we have 15 beds through our transitional housing program. No, it's not enough. I'm so excited again to remind everybody that we are in the middle of a capital campaign uh, for a new shelter. We're hoping to break ground in the spring of this year, and what that is actually going to do for us is it's going to be able to allow us to increase the number of beds so that we will have 30 beds up from the 19, which means there will be an opportunity for us to serve that many more youth. We're in the midst across the country of affordability and a housing crisis. How challenging has that been for Youth Haven, especially when you're dealing with uh, youth who really are at, at rock bottom? You're right. And I mean, these youth have um, a lot more barriers that they have to break through in order to find housing. First of all, their age, the fact that they don't have a financial history or, or, you know, they really don't have the knowledge or life skills that they need to maintain housing. The challenges are there. And what we try and do at Youth Haven is we try and teach those life skills to a youth um, who is ready to make that transition from emotional emergency shelter, transitional housing program to permanent housing. Um, the challenges of finding housing, as we all know, is difficult at the time, but it's that much more greater for a youth who's 16, 17, 18-year-old to be able to find something that they could afford and keep. And briefly, the outreach program, um, does that suggest there are kids out there who are actually, you know, sleeping rough or, uh, you know, Maybe and define that. What what homelessness doesn't mean you don't have a roof over your head. It's just not your place. Right, exactly. It means um, you just don't have a wall where you can put up a picture, basically, if we, if we really want to explain it that way. Um, you know, not having a place to stay, even though you're couch surfing, doesn't necessarily mean that you are safe and, and that you do have a home. Um, yes, there are kids out there throughout the county who are either experiencing homelessness, so they're either couch surfing or they're actually living rough or on the street in encampments or in a tent. Um, but uh, there's also kids who are at risk of, of 
Becoming Homeless that our outreach team supports. Last year alone, we had over 200 youth that we were able to support through the outreach program. We were able to um, support 60 of those youths in maintaining housing, which means sometimes it's a challenge to bring a youth from, for instance, Midland to Barrie because um, the supports may actually be in the Midland area, so our team will work with them in the Midland area to keep them with their network, to keep them with their friends, their family, but be able to provide them with the necessary supports they need for them to remain housed. And how many young people have you assisted through the emergency shelter or the the transitional house, maybe in the past year, for example? (laughs) So last year, we actually assisted 120 youth through the emergency shelter program, Um, 29 youth through our transitional program, Um, and as I said, over 200, close to 300 youth who relied on our outreach team. Um, 104 was the number of youth that were housed with help from our programs, and 60 is the number of youth who maintained housing with the help from our outreach team. So as you can see, Youth Haven does vital work. Youth Haven does necessary work. And we're encouraged not only by the the work that we do, by the youth who come to us and, um, and who is need assistance, but also the community. It's because of the community who stands behind us that we're able to continue to do what we do on a regular basis. You can learn more about the coldest night of the year and the work Youth Haven is doing at youthhaven.ca. An off weekend for the Barry Colts, losing three in a row, but still holding down the eighth and final playoff spot in the east ahead of Peterborough. Our Will Conkin is with Colts broadcaster and writer Gene Pereira. Mr. Gene, lots to chat about in uh, this one. Um, I think, though, to start, uh, we should go with uh, the an alleged uh, bounty on the Colts, uh, Kayshawn Aitchison by the Sudbury Wolves. Um, it was stemming from a game on January 18th. Uh, supposedly the OHL is now investigating the situation. Um, Gina, what's going on? Maybe take us through the timeline of things. Yeah, it stems from a game back on January 18th and uh, with about, uh, you know, five minutes remaining in the contest, uh, Keyshawn Aitchison uh, delivered a hit on Nathan Villeneuve and uh, he didn't draw a penalty on the call, but uh, uh, Noah Collins stepped in and kind of instigated a fight with Keyshawn and I guess basically Sudbury players uh, were, were said not to be too happy about it. And uh, word got out to the team. Barry ended up playing Sudbury again three days later in Sudbury. And they decided to sit Kayshawn Aitchison with word that had come out that uh, there was uh, some kind of bounty uh, on, on Kayshawn. Uh, so they decided to skip and... Uh, you know, now the situation is that uh, the league uh, has been uh, has been uh, looking, investigating it, from what we understand, and uh, basically we we talked to the Colts, we reached out to the Colts, who said that uh, uh, for us to contact the league, that they wouldn't have any comment right now on the matter. But obviously, a, a concerning situation, and uh, uh, you know, uh, that's something that obviously the league has to look to uh, look into. The teams play again on uh, February 28th. Um, could you see anything happening out of that? Yeah, you know, you, you'd wonder if it, you know if things are going to carry on. But, you know, with, I think this kind of coming out and going public, this information, um, it's going to be really hard. I mean, obviously officials in the league are going to be watching closely. 
when these two teams played and looking out for any incidents. And, you know, the Sudbury Wolves are one of the best teams in the Ontario Hockey League this season, and they have a chance to, to win a championship. And I'm sure that, uh, you know, you'd think that the idea here is that they don't want to lose anybody for any length of time to a suspension uh, for something, that the focus will be clearly on hockey. But, you know, again, it is a physical game, and I mean that's part of Keishon's game. Is he's he's always involved in those little skirmishes. Uh, he, you know, he likes to deal out big hits. He's a physical guy back there, and it's, it's a big part of his game. And uh, you know, it, it, you know, no doubt everybody's going to be watching, uh, but especially the league. Switching gears a bit, uh, looking at the recent games that the Colts played, they started off last week with a, a tight loss to Saginaw, 7-6, and did a repeat two days later against Ottawa, losing 4-3, and then uh, to Kingston got revenge from, or Kingston got revenge from the week prior. Uh, they took it uh, 7-4. Um, could you pinpoint kind of what went wrong in that stretch? Was there was there anything in particular? Yeah, you know, you go back to the uh, the Thursday game against Saginaw, one of the top teams in the entire hockey league, and I thought Barry actually played well. They had a bit of a lapse there in the second period. They gave up four goals, but, you know, they, they made it a close contest. Uh, they got to within 7-6 within with 24 seconds remaining, and, uh, uh, you know, again, I mean, Saginaw is just, uh, you know, they're one of the top teams. They really loaded up to go for it this year, and uh, a young Barry club gave them a pretty good go. And you know, it was the same thing Saturday night against Ottawa, where uh, the 67s have uh, really had Barry's number over these last couple of years. And again, the Colts had a 4-3. But you know, credit to the 67s and Dave Cameron, who's one of the better defensive coaches in the Ontario Hockey League, and they limited Barry to just three shots. And Barry didn't really get you know kind of sniff offensively. And uh, they're held back, but uh, you know, even against Kingston again. I mean, I, I think that's one of the rare games. Barry's goaltending's been so good this year, and uh, I think both goalies, uh, Hillbrand, got the start, and uh, then Ben West came in, and you know, a bit of an off day for the goaltenders there. But you know, talking to Marty Williamson, especially those Thursday, Friday games, um, you know, it's 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 kind of hard to kind of pinpoint because I mean, I thought they played pretty well and. They did play pretty well, and uh, yet, you know, two pretty good teams, they, they didn't come out with the wins there. Two players that uh, continue to play well are uh, Riley Patterson and Cole Bodwin, um, especially after being put on the same line in December. I think you had mentioned that in one of your write-ups. Yeah, along with Ty York, I mean, that line's been outstanding, and they've been Barry's best line overall uh, since December, and... Uh, you know, again, it's just an interesting story. Cole Bodwin and uh, Riley Patterson. Patterson, a rookie, and on pace to really, uh, 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 you know, he's just been on fire ever since Christmas. And, you know, he's, he's, Riley told me he just had a chance to kind of go home and kind of clear his mind. And he's come back, and he's just been outstanding. And that just great chemistry with him and uh, Bodwin and, uh, and New York. But, you know, it's interesting as well, two of them, two top prospects for this year's NHL draft and uh, you know it's something that I asked them about is their ability to kind of push one another and they both know what their goals are and to try to get to obviously they they want to take that next step in their careers and uh, the draft coming up and you know the ability to kind of help one another uh, you know reach that goal. On the schedule for the Colts, they have a home and away this weekend, uh, host Mississauga at Sadlin Saturday, then uh, off to Oshawa on Sunday. Um, always a pleasure, Gene. Thanks for the insight. Thanks, Will.
What Barry's Talking About is a weekly podcast featuring the best Barry and Simcoe County have to offer and more. You can get caught up with previous episodes and make it easy to keep up in the future by subscribing to What Barry's Talking About through any podcast distributor. Been a year since the first millennial meetup in Barrie. No pressure, no promises of finding a mate or even a date, just a chance for millennials to mingle. Kalena Mayu is the organizer. She's with Barrie 360's MJ. You started this really cool um, sort of get-together group um, a little over a year ago. It was a yeah. fantastic idea. And explain what it was again. Yeah, so basically the concept of millennial meetups is to help bring people together who are in that millennial category um, and just ha- kind of have a space for everybody to get together, meet new people, try new things, new experiences, and check out some cool local spots. Okay. And uh, yeah, just kind of bring a space for community. And it's important to know that this isn't like, this isn't a, necessarily like a dating group, right? This is mm-hmm. like just meeting friends because it's hard to meet people your age and know what there is to do and around the area. Yeah, like I really, when I started the group, I wasn't sure exactly what direction it was going to kind of take itself into, but I really found it almost worked better. Um, just like providing that space. I don't think putting on any pressures or labels or expectations for there to be any dating, but just kind of providing that that safe space where people can come out and kind of just have an event where people can maybe meet new people, make new friends. And there actually is people who have dated from the group, but I found it, it was actually amazing just to like have all the pressures off, just kind of come out, have a good time, no expectations. And at the end of the day, if you don't meet with like five new best friends, that's okay. Or you don't leave with a boyfriend or girlfriend, that's okay. But you've just come out and had a good time and really kind of putting yourself out there. It's scary meeting new people in any regard. And I wanted to kind of make it a little less scary. And what's cool about it is like, if people are new to the area, it's not just meeting people, which is of course the most important thing, but knowing what our area has to provide and the, the you know, the resources, the the clubs and the cafes that we have yeah. around the area. No, it's been like amazing. Like I've had all sorts of people, like for myself, I'm from Innisfil, so basically Barry my whole life. And even I didn't know the extent of the music community, um, and like all the different types of communities within Barry, like there's like yoga, there's like the music scene, there's the board game scene, like there's so much. Like I've really gotten to know even more about myself and about my community by doing this. And uh, there's people who have been here their whole lives. There's people who are fresh to Barry, um, and everyone's just kind of looking to get back out there again. Even um, you know because of COVID and everything, it's caused such a disconnect. So. Um, people don't even really know what's going on. And that was kind of also part of my reason what led me to start the community was I just found there wasn't anything going on and I couldn't find a space to meet new people um, and try new things. So I was like, okay, I guess I can't really see much going on. Maybe I'll just start something on my own and see where that leads. And and you did. And how's it been going like a year later? Oh my goodness. It's been actually amazing. Like I've got chills. <laughs> um, it's been just actually over one year. It's crazy to think um, February 5th last year, I was sitting in a cafe with seven strangers. Um, and now like even one of them is one of my closest friends. And starting the millennial group actually kind of changed my life in a way, like um, the cascade of events that have occurred since then. And just um, the people I've met, just getting me to like know more about myself, making new friends of my own um, and uh, yeah, really giving me a new sense of purpose in a way. Like I never um, thought I had a knack for it, but it's really kind of come naturally and just 
it's really beautiful seeing all these people come together. And I often find myself at events just taking a moment of pause and looking out at the group of people and just seeing everyone like smiling and laughing and having a good time is really like heartwarming. And are you noticing like it's a lot of regulars showing up or some people come for a while, take a break and come back or it's just sort of like a all mix of, of groups? Yeah, I'd say the majority are actually people who keep coming back. I'd say at least 75% of people who've come to an event come back to another one, just kind of depending on the schedule and the timing, which is nice with the flexibility of members can host like their own casual meet. So some people go for dinner um, or go for a hike or whatever. So they'll like meet up with people they've established relationships with or they'll open it up to the whole group. Um, but then every time I host an event, there's always at least like a few new faces, which is really fun because when I was hosting like meetups early last year, it was crazy meeting like 50 new people for me. And like, I would go around and try to get everyone's name <laughs> and I'd play these like outrageous name games to try and get everybody to know each other's name. Yeah. And it was like kind of unreasonable. I was like, whoa, like this is a lot of people for me to get to know. But now with almost 700 members, obviously I can't get to know every single person on an individual level, but um, it's really exciting getting those repeat people. Cause I actually have friends now who are part of the group um, and people that I know. So it's a little less new people. So it's like not as crazy for me to get to know all these new uh, faces, but no, it's really fun. And it's like, everyone's so welcoming. Like when a new person comes out to an event, everyone's just like, oh my God, like you're new, like welcome. Like kind of like bringing them in or they're under their wing, like welcome to the millennial community. When we're talking millennials in the age group, there's such a wide, millennial covers such a big span, I've noticed. Everyone yeah. loves to say millennial is anyone younger than them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah basically. So kind of what age, not that it has to be specific or that you'd go out of it, but mm -hmm. sort of what is the age group that you're mostly looking around? Yeah, so I'm born 96. So I, from what I understand, I mean, people would say I'm wrong, but I'm like the last year of millennials. So um, typically I tailor events to people around kind of this age group. So I'm 27. So I typically do events 25 to like 40, like mid 40s, I would say is kind of like kind of covering everybody across. I definitely had people get mad at me being like, I'm an elder millennial, like I should be a part of the group. And it's like, <laughs> OK, I understand. But also I feel like if you come out to an event with a bunch of like late 20 year olds, I don't know if you're going to have the best of time. And that's kind of what it boils down to is I can't please everybody, unfortunately. And I think there's a lot of other great communities and resources out there for other age groups I'm not capturing, but I really want to hone in on that like nostalgic millennial group, mm -hmm. the 90s, the 80s kids, because I think that's the kind of best people I can host to because that's sure. what I understand yeah. the most. Because it's a niche and you got to cater to them. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I totally get that. Now, if people want to join up or know more about you guys, how do they do this? How do they find out about events? Yeah, so I've got a Facebook page, Barry Millennials Meetup. I've got Instagram. Um, and that's kind of where I'm doing them both on those two sites. <laughs> um, but yeah, Facebook, Instagram, and then they can join the group. All of the casual events are on the Facebook page and all of the group chats. Um, Instagram, I kind of throw the bigger events onto or promote other things in Barry on that uh, Instagram. And then the link to get to the Facebooks on there as well. Any big event coming up recently? Yeah, so I guess like kind of the next things coming up are like I've got some collabs in the works. So I'm going to be doing like comedy and like mingle mixers. So there'll be like mingle mix events plus an activity. So I'm looking into doing comedy meetups with that piece and uh, live music shows. And yeah, just kind of working with more um, different venues and different sections of interest in the community. So yeah, stay tuned. We're a week away from another flip of the calendar, February to March, bringing us to Easter Seals Month. But what is Easter Seals? It's been around for a hundred years. What does it bring to the community? Our Will Conkin is back. He's getting an education from Charlene Mike, Easter Seals Development Manager for Central Ontario. 
What is Easter Seals? Maybe give a little bit of a definition of what the organization does. So Easter Seals Ontario is a charitable organization that's dedicated to improving the lives of children and youth with physical disabilities. We aim to create a more inclusive, accessible, and equal society where kids with physical disabilities are valued, respected, and given opportunities to reach their potential. So when you really think about that, you think about the Paralympics, um, you think about the, the, the sports world will focus on people with physical disabilities, but the average time, it's not focused on. So. If you look at a child in school with a wheelchair or with a walker, are you seeing the full potential? And that's what Easter Seals does. We ensure that our kids have all the equipment that they need to reach their full potential. For the month, people can, uh, can fundraise. Uh, they, can, they can do that individually or create a team for it. Uh, tell me more about it. What are the, kind of the details? We're not doing a lot of fundraising. If somebody wants to donate for, Easter, for March's Easter Seals Month, absolutely. You can just go to our website, which is www.easterseals.org, and you can donate there. But March's Easter Seals Month is about raising an awareness. It's, it, we want to teach all of you what Easter Seals kids are, what Easter Seal kids can accomplish, and what Easter Seal kids need. So, you know, we, we talk about independence and we talk about freedom and we talk about dignity. So giving you a perfect example, if you had a 14-year-old daughter who was in a wheelchair and needed to go to the washroom somewhere, you would want her to be able to have the dignity of a commode at your house where she can do the transfer herself. She doesn't need to have her dad or brother or grandfather take her to the washroom. That's dignity. And those are the things that Easter Seal strives to make sure it happens with making sure that we can fund equipment. Um, equipment is not government funded. Uh, families have to buy their own equipment, and a wheelchair can be anywhere from $15,000, $8,000, walkers. So, so funding an Easter Seal child is very expensive, and that's where Easter Seals comes in. So what we want to teach people in the month of March is we are sitting with doctors and lawyers and school teachers and pilots, and we're, we're sitting with a whole group of young people who have got such potential and just want to reach and be the best that they can be. They just need some help to get there. And that's what we're trying to encourage people to do is help us, let them get their dreams, let them reach their potential. I saw on, uh, on the Easter Seals website, uh, I noticed it says, uh, for us, disabled will never mean unable. Uh, that seems like a good description of the work Easter Seals does to help kids with physical disabilities. You know, I was, uh, I was really moved uh, last year. One of our Easter Seal ambassadors, provincial ambassadors from two years ago, graduated from high school, going off to university. She wants to be a lawyer, I believe it is. And uh, she had her prom dress on, and she had a special prom dress made so it would flow over top of her wheelchair. But the most interesting thing was she had her cap and gown, and on the top of her cap was written, See the Ability not the disability. And I talked to her after, and I said, I, 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 like, I cried when I seen it, to be quite honest with you. And I'm like, wow, why did you do that? And she said, because 
when I'm in a wheelchair, people are always looking down on me. And that's the message I want them to see. Wow, that's a very, very powerful story. So so the month is mostly about just, like you said, like uh, getting connected with the public. And um, are there different avenues that you guys are reaching out to the public, like through social media, different kind of campaign things? What's going on? Well, in Barrie, we're really lucky in Barrie. We've got a couple of our children that are going to be speaking on the radio. We've got a couple of our supporters that are going to be giving our message and a couple of parents that are going to be giving the message as well on what Easter Seals is and how the community of Barrie and the surrounding communities help us. Now, we are very blessed, I'll be honest, in the Barrie area, Collingwood area, um, York area. People down there are very, very generous to Easter Seals. They understand Easter Seals. They meet our kids. So the campaign is letting people that maybe don't know who we are, who we are, but it's also a social campaign, it's a media campaign. So we just want people to learn who we are and how they can help. Like, you know, we do so many events, like we've got our Dancing with the Stars coming up. And uh, that's a great event for us in Barrie, and that's happening the 1st of April. And it's because of people in Barrie that we have our dancers, and that event so helps our Easter Seal kids. So it's just more of an awareness campaign. I would just like people to remember, um, you know, a lot of our age groups remembering that kids with physical disabilities, please think of the first word that I said, which was kids. Quite often, they're not the kids that are invited to birthday parties and they're not invited to the cottage for the weekend. And most of our kids live a very family-oriented life. It's very, very... Uh, they don't have a lot of the social opportunities that some of the other kids have. So maybe sometimes it's including kids with physical disabilities in your plans, but it's also recognizing that they're just kids and they want the same things that you want. Very powerful stuff. Well, we really appreciate you talking today. Thank you very much. For more information on Easter Seals and Easter Seals Month, log on to easterseals.org. And that's our program for this week. Thanks to Ian, MJ, and Will for their input, to Matt Ladder for his technical expertise, and to you for listening. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to what Barry's talking about, rate it, review it. You can also keep up with what Barry's talking about on X at Barry360, on our website, barry360.com, and there's our daily Kickstart podcast available from any streaming service and on our website. I'm Dan Blakely. Hope you'll join us again next week.